If work feels more like play for you, or you'd like it to be that way. If you have the heart to help others and you're looking for ways to grow your business as a healthcare professional, if you are ready to adjust your practice to suit who you are and the life you want to live, then maybe the ideas in this show will help you expand your impact a little bit more. I'm Melissa Longo and my guests and I are here to lead the way to more impact, more success, more joy in your life and business. So let's stop wasting time. Let's dive in. All right, friends, before I start today's episode, I want to just take a quick couple of minutes to highlight our show sponsor, Jane. I've been using Jane in my practice for the last couple of years, and I absolutely love the system and the ease of their platform. Jane is a complete practice management software designed to help practitioners grow and manage their practices. They do this with helpful features like online booking, scheduling, billing, charting. Now look, whether you are solo or in a large multidisciplinary practice, no-shows, late cancellations, you know, there's something that every practitioner faces, but Jane offers several tools to help you prevent and manage those no-shows, including the ability to save credit cards on file and send out unlimited text and email reminders. They have been a game changer for my practice in more ways than one, mostly because they streamline my systems. Look, if you want to learn more about Jane's helpful features, be sure to mention this show and they will gladly give you a one-month grace period to get started. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Adjust Your Practice. I am intrigued by this woman's story. I've gotten to know her personally through my community. She is one of the guests of the show who happens to live in my community. I've actually done some business training courses with her and I've been able to watch her navigate um, her business, her practice, her personal life. Um, like all of us with a lot of ups and downs and challenges and the stress of the last couple of years. And I wanted to get her perspective today as a owner of a yoga studio and a devotee of, you know, yoga philosophy on how she continues to build her life and business in a way that aligns with who she is. So thank you, Lori Barons, for joining me today for this conversation. Thank you for inviting me. So the best place to start, to yeah, the best place for a start, I know you and um, as much as I know about you and, you know, I've been fortunate again to work with you and you've come to some of my events. Um, there's pieces of your story that I find so intriguing that I've, I, you know, I like to go through and discover as we do these interviews. So, but let's chat about for the people who are just, you know, hearing you for the first time today, who is Lori and mm -hmm. give me sort of a snapshot about your life right now. Okay, well, I feel like in some cases, um, I'm two different or three different people throughout my my life. But basically, I have a, a university degree, I, I loved art history and English, and thought that I wanted to um, work in an art gallery or be an English professor. Uh, then I graduated and I took a course in HR management post post diploma program. And um, then I traveled to Europe for about a year, came back and had to uh, grow up and get a job. And so pretty automatically, I started working in the field of HR. It was a new field. It shifted from personnel to human resources management. And so uh, we were kind of a hot commodity. And I had wonderful work experiences working in pharmaceutical, working in um, service, working in retail, and then more recently in high tech. Uh, and then along that path, I found Iyengar yoga and started practicing yoga. Uh, and then 
almost, as I like to say, the yoga happened to me. I had no desire to become a yoga teacher. I wanted to be a VP of HR. Um, I was very ambitious, very career oriented. And um, after years of going through teacher training and then going through assessment, traveling to India, uh, lo and behold, I found myself giving up my career and, um, and teaching full time. So going from a corporate life of traveling, you know, I'm assuming high stress, different yeah. people, different environments to giving that all up. Was there any kind of like identity shift that you felt or were you, were you so clear, like, I'm ready to leave this all behind and start a whole new path? Take us through like a little bit of, you know, the crossroads you may have felt that you were at, because I guarantee there's people listening here that are feeling some kind of transition or shift for themselves and maybe want to take the leap into the health and wellness field on some level, but maybe are afraid sure. to do so. Yeah, so I, there's a few uh, key pieces that I didn't say. Um, one of them <laughs> was that I was, um, at the time that I found yoga, I was in a, a very uh, miserable relationship. I was married to an alcoholic. And, uh, you know, when you're married to an addict of any kind, I think the, the field is always changing and you have to navigate through some very difficult times. And so what I did is buried myself in work. Um, so I worked evenings, weekends, and, um, you know, it was interesting because my personal life was imploding, but at work, I got accolades. I won the employee of the year. I won a trip to Japan. I was promoted. I had staff under me and, um, it was like, I was two different people, um, functioning somehow. And then there was a little voice in the back of my head that said, there's gotta be something more to life than this. Cause I really felt like I had lost my my childhood and my younger self that was quite I was labeled as Alice in Wonderland in school so I was quite the dreamer and kind of the visionary and quite a different I, I didn't really go with the flow um, and so I asked my mom I said mom you have a friend she's been to India she was like way ahead of her time because yoga studios weren't really a thing at that time and I said can you ask her if there's someone I should study with is this voice was like, there's just got to be something more to life than this. And so I, her, her friend was like, yes, there's this new teacher. She just moved from Iran. Lori's got to study with her. So I remember picking up the phone and saying, I don't have any background. I don't, you know, can I just show up? Yes, dear, just come. And, it, you know, the class was um, powerful, fierce, loving, shocking all the things all in one go and uh you know it was even so far in the back that yoga pants weren't even a thing and so all I had were these <laughs> neon pink running pants and uh it was because I used to run like early in the morning and I didn't want to get run over by a vehicle so um I was always like picked out in the crowd because I was like so bright and one of my friends was like you might want to get some different pants so <laughs> um but I, I got from my first class, and I know you probably hear that very often, but it was the thing that was missing. I felt grounded and uplifted at the same time. I was, you know, I could just see that this had so much more than just the physical element to it. And, um, and also, you know, having scoliosis, which is a curvature in my spine, I got used to being a desk, you know, worker to having like a, like a spasm in my back every six months or so. And that was just my back. I had to deal with it, all the things. 
and uh, I found a way through, you know, so there's all kinds of different myriads of things that happened. But really what happened was the, the yoga gave me the confidence to get out of that marriage, um, which was a lot of unraveling over several years. And to, you know, we actually split and then we split for a year. We reconciled because both his parents passed away from diseases related to alcoholism. And he, you know, came back to me and then um, we reconciled and then the same thing started coming up to the surface. And, you know, it's like I needed that time to really end the relationship because it wasn't the first time I left wasn't really the end of it. Um, but yoga really, the practice helped me see things more clearly. So I was, you know, I was compassionate and I wanted to make the relationship work and I wanted also to save him and help him and all those things. But it also showed me that all I can do is rely on myself and work on myself. I can't assume that he's going to love me more than the drinking or, you know, whatever other things were going on in his life. And so, you know, eventually when it really fell apart, I bought a new car, bought a new house, moved to a new city and moved forward and really felt ready for that without, I mean, you go through the grief. I went through the grieving process while I was in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And being someone who worked so much, uh, I didn't really have a lot of friends. And it was when I would go to the yoga studio where I felt like, that was my community. I could be myself. I could show up, um, you know, in great form or not, and just go through whatever I needed to go through and then be built up again to deal with, you know, whatever was going on. So it's a really powerful. And I mean, I, I know I, I find beautiful beauty in the, in the challenges and beauty in, in the good times too. Right. And what you just shared, just speak so much about how yoga for you, you know, why you love your work as an instructor and a studio owner is because how much it's transformed your own life and how mm-hmm. it gave you, like you said, the grounded, the confidence, the courage, the p- people, the community to step into a path that was more aligned with who you, who you really are at this, that stage in your life. So if you, and I had something similar happen, you know, I've definitely felt, you said that, you know, yoga helped yoga happened to you. I certainly found that, you know, chiropractic picked me too, you know, and and then when Mm -hmm. I decided to apply the moment, I remember my first experience with a chiropractor and I remember what, you know, came out of my mouth. I don't even know why I said it, what I said, I know now because it was, it's part of my calling and the kind of work I'm supposed to do. And, you know, my philosophy to health, my life, my relationships, my parenting, it's all stemmed from that one moment. So it is quite amazing how one moment, one class, something can have such a powerful effect on our lives. Totally. Yeah, it was it was really transformational. I mean, I've always dabbled in Eastern philosophy. I studied philosophy in university. I really enjoyed that element of it. Um, but it was like going home. It was like I, I found my people. I found my home. And similarly, my first trip to India felt like, you know, these are my people. This is my home, which obviously I'm, I'm not Indian. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I really respect the ritual um the spirituality and when I first started hey I was just like most people I just wanted to stretch or I had a sore back or whatever the case may be um but then what happened to me was this empowerment through practice through dedication through commitment through the discipline 
you know, it, I always say to my students, the yoga will meet you where you meet it. And, you know, when you're ready, it will give you what you need. Um, mm. So if you come through the door, just wanting to bend over and touch your toes, that's a noble pursuit. If you come through the door and you want to, you know, transform yourself, that also is a noble pursuit. So you have such heart, you know, all I keep hearing is, is your passion and and likely again, coming from your story and, you know, listeners, if you're not connecting with, you know, the power of your individual story and even how you market your business and how you speak and how you connect with people, you're missing out because people want to hear that. Right. And we could, we're going to, you know, maybe we'll get back into this, you know, the marketing piece of this later in the conversation. But what I want to talk about right now is the fact that you, you have such heart, for the work that you're doing and for the ways that you want to impact your students' lives. How have you been able to marry that with the business of yoga and, and running mm-hmm. a studio, you know, running a studio through the pandemic when you couldn't have classes and, and going online? And I know even the other dreams that you have for expansion and, and monitoring that with and make sure you're healthy and your relationships. And mm-hmm. how do you how do you marry those two together right now? Or what has been your experience and your journey along the business model side of it? Yeah, I think um, just to to peel that back, I did end up remarrying. I am in a happy marriage <laughs> and I do, I do have a son. Okay. And so I learned my lessons early on with my son. Um, as the mother of a son, I really wanted to raise uh, someone who was aware of the fact that, you know, women have multiple roles. And while they are the caregiver in a lot of ways, I also had a life before him. I will have a life during him. And, you know, so what I did was I realized after I had him, I couldn't run to each class like I was able to do prior. And so um, I scheduled my day around picking him up from school, finishing work and saying, Kyle, this is my time to practice. You know, you be over there unless there's a loss of a limb or severe bloodletting. I don't want to be interrupted. <laughs> and so, you know, he grew up with that. And so I think I, that was a non-negotiable for me. And I think that's really important because mm. for any of this stuff to work, you have to have discipline from my perspective. Um, and so in the running of the business, I often say yoga has become a victim of its own popularity because it's really become in, in from my perspective, in a lot of ways, some of somewhat of a commodity. I think there was a statistic in 2016, even maybe 2017, um, that said that over two, 21 billion is, is um, spent on yoga, l- lifestyle, uh, and yoga classes. But the bulk of it is yoga lifestyle, meaning the clothes and the mats and the things. So fewer people are actually doing the classes and then more are buying the things, which we, I feel we don't need more of in, in our modern life. So I'm always kind of trying to check that. So I think, you know, and I don't teach anything that I don't practice myself. And so um, what I really try to do is be upfront and honest. I'm not the hot yoga teacher. If someone's looking for hot yoga, I refer them out. I'm, I'm friends, I would like to say, with the myriad of wonderful yoga teachers that we have of different methods in, in our community and beyond. And I'm happy to support them. And I do believe that there's space for all of us, uh, truly believe that. But I feel like the people that come through my studio doors are, um, they're seekers and they're learners and they're, they're trying to 
um, you know, solve a problem or resolve a, a situation, be it physical, mental, or otherwise. And so when when they do find their way to me, I give them 100%, 110%. Because I've, I learned how empowering this practice can be and that it's more powerful if we share it and that also we learn from each other. So if I always let students, for example, ask questions of, you know, if say they don't understand a cue or a technique or, you know, they have a headache that day or whatever the case may be, I really welcome them to ask me, you know, Lori, how can I modify for this or this doesn't feel good um, because we all learn from each other. You know, uh, Nancy's sore knee is going to inform uh, Judy's sore back and so on and so forth. So um, I really feel strongly that what, you know, we look at the practice like a prescription and then we learn how to use the proper dosage of it based on where we're at at that time of our life and what we need from it. And um, yeah, so that's what I'm super passionate about teaching right now. Mm -hmm. It sounds from a, a couple of perspectives, there are things I want to address. One is I love how you, when your son Kyle was younger, essentially you adjusted your practice to suit your life rather than starting off with uh, my business is my business. I'm going to make my family life work around my business, which I don't know about you, but at one point in my career, um, I was hustling to do that, you know, trying to fit in all the pieces. Yeah. And I learned pretty quickly that wasn't what I wanted for my sons, which is why I made a radical shift in my practice model and my business life. And I want to drive home this point to people listening because you can start the right way, right? And it's so much easier to start with the right foundations than it is to untangle. Whether you're untangling from a marriage, from a career you don't love, from a business that you've built that you realize is not what you wanted, from a schedule that doesn't cater to your family needs, it's so much harder. So I love that you said that when you, Kyle was younger, you know, you had boundaries and discipline around when you wanted to practice and when you wanted to be in your business. And he saw that and you modeled that for him. But was it ever difficult for you to maintain those boundaries uh, when you were mm -hmm. growing your practice? Because I know for so many practitioners, especially when they're starting out, it's really hard because, you, you know, you need the business, you want the business, and it can be a real struggle to have that strong discipline about saying no to clients outside of your regular business hours or checking emails when you should be parenting. You know, have you ever had to, to manage boundaries with your personal and your business life? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, I went back to work when Kyle was young. Uh, he was one years old. So um, both my husband and I were working kind of in high tech businesses at the time. Travel was required, evening entertainment, pop up meetings, long work days. It was definitely back in the day when you physically had to be um, at a desk. And so uh, we were really struggling. And uh, we had the conversation it was my husband actually said, to make this work, we need a live in nanny. And not that I have anything against live-in nannies, I have a child and it was not how I envisioned uh, seeing that person raised. And so I um, then made the decision that I would take a step back and I was actually gonna start an HR consulting firm. I also said to my husband, because our teacher training is very demanding, you have to be a, a student for three years and then teacher training is three to five years. I was in the throes of all of that with a toddler working full full time. And so um, I said to my husband, I'm going to ask for leave of absence from teacher training. And he said, if you do that, you'll never go back. 
So he was very, very true. Now for me personally, what I struggle with is having to be reliant on someone financially because I had mm. always been financially self-sufficient. I, you know, even at that stage of our marriage, we never had any joint bank accounts. So um, to, you know, to give that up, give up my career was really a, a struggle for me. But what I considered was that I'm probably holding on to something that I think is important, but it really isn't. And if I let it go, another door will open up for me. And that other door happened to be teacher training and finishing it, certifying, traveling to India for the first time when my son was two, um, which makes it sound like I'm a terrible mother, but, um, but, and, and really then going full force into teacher training and, and what was going to be a bit of a break while my son was young turned into this new career for me altogether, um, which was, you know, eventually opening up a studio, moving my studio from Markham to Collingwood um, eight years ago. And so um, the, you know, to answer your question and be more succinct, there, there was definitely times when then I had to really balance what was work and what was work life. Um, but I really, uh, feel that the decision to just take a step back and, you know, not be so stubborn and headstrong about being financially independent and all the things um, was a real catalyst for all these other things to fall into place. Um, and hmm. it's like that saying, when you close one door, another door opens. I really feel that that's what happened. You know, ironically too, just after I made all those decisions, my husband was promoted to the position of vice president. And so financially, um, we were far, far less impacted than we thought we would be. And it was just like, okay, that's the universe saying, yeah, yeah, everything. <laughs> so, yeah. This is such a powerful story. And it's like, it's bringing up the idea of, yeah, I love the, the saying about, you know, when one door opens, one door closes, another one opens. But the truth of it is too, you also have to take a step through that door. Right. You can't just look at the open door. You have to actually, you know, take the action. And there's certainly a lot of courage that you had to find within yourself to, you know, investigate, okay, how am I feeling here? Am I going to be okay with, you know, giving up my income and letting my, my partner support me and all that risk, all of that, those fears, you know, all those feelings you had, they transformed into something so beautiful, better than you could have expected probably. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I really feel like I, I found myself through all of this. And that I often think back to, you know, as I'm sure a lot of studio owners have felt over the pandemic, like it was really stressful. Um, and whenever I was kind of like caught myself in, in that wallowing situation, I would think, what would I be like if I hadn't had this experience? If I was still plugging away at my six plus figure salary job over the years, um, you know, Yes, I probably have a cottage, but how often could I go to it, et cetera, et cetera. And so whenever I find myself um, wondering, I, I think back to the fact that I feel so much more like who I'm supposed to be at this stage of my life, rather than someone acting uh, like someone who I thought I was supposed to be for so many years. Mm -hmm. And that's a trap that so many people fall into. You know, I know I was there saying things, doing things, 
whether it was marketing or communicating in my practice, because a coach or someone or society had told me this is what you should want and this is how you should show up. And I definitely had some very pivotal moments where I'm like, this is not who I am. This is not what I want to be. And having that kind of clarity drop into you and, and the support of people around you is a game changer. So I'm thankful that you shared that and you've been so honest about your whole experience. So if you were to look at your business now and you know there's someone listening that's feeling maybe they're in the same place, maybe they love yoga or maybe they love training or maybe they, you know, they have a passion, they want to go into massage therapy, like some kind of healthcare profession or discipline and they're you know, exploring it as a side hustle essentially. What advice would you give them? Like what helped you make that move that to take that step and that courage? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, what I would say is if you're sharing your life with someone, I really think it's important for them um, to understand what you want to do and for them to support you. So I have to say my husband has been amazing. Um, one thing he did say, though, is that because I have to put so much of myself into this, I mean, I've traveled to India six times, which was like family vacation time and financially and all the things. Um, but he also practiced this form of yoga years ago um, when I was pregnant and after our son was little. And um, what he said is, I can see how much this can help people. So um, if we're going to make this happen for you, and I support you 110%, you have to go as far as you can um, in this practice, you owe it to the family. And so I kind of approached um, my dedication to all of this the same way I approached my dedication to my career and my profession in that uh, I was going to give it my all and understand going into it that it's going to be a lot of hard work. And, you know, in a, in a yoga studio situation or, or pro probably most clinical settings, you're at least two years in until you can start to feel that momentum. Um, and so I did things on the side to support it. When we moved up here, I consulted HR for small businesses. Did I love it? No. Did it give me the financial means to do, you know, what I wanted to do? Yes. So, um, you know, I, but I never lost view of like what I really wanted to do ultimately was, was to open up a yoga studio. And so I freelance taught I dabbled my foot in here. I, I found what I liked, what I didn't like. I set boundaries. Um, I said yes to a lot of stuff that I would never say yes to anymore. But I think it's necessary to go through um, the hard work. Like a lot of it for me, maybe I didn't take the easiest route, but it was a roll up your sleeves and do the work. Um, and so I don't regret that because I think that's inherently who I am, being the child of immigrants. But um, you know, and there's probably easier routes, but I, I would say be prepared to do the work, um, but also check in with yourself to see that in doing the work, you're not losing your passion for, you know, the reason why you're doing the work. Because when I first became a yoga teacher, I was like, great, I've just destroyed the best thing that ever happened to me by becoming a teacher of it which adds a whole other ball of stress, right? Now I'm practicing for my students. Now I have to create sequences. So I said, no, I'm a yoga student that knows a little bit and would like to share what I know because I've been in a privileged position to, you know, to study in India, whatever the case may be. So I let that go. And I, I never want to lose the passion. Um, then it would just be a drag. I didn't hate HR. 
I mean, I, I still do help people out here and there, but I didn't, I lost my passion for it. So I, I have the sense of like being able to compare one versus the other. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like if there was one piece of advice you would give people starting out, it would be like, do all the hard things, <laughs> like yeah. learn through experience. And I, I, you know, I can't agree with you anymore because even with my sons, I, you know, we, we joke, like they don't like their jobs they've had. And I'm like, you're, you're 16. Like you don't have any skills yet, dude. Like you have, obviously you have skills, but like the, the world is, is going to develop you. And until then you might have to wash dishes before you can become a server. You might have to do some of the gruddy, you know, the grungy jobs to learn more about who you are and what you like, what you don't like. And I think sometimes, unfortunately, there can be some, some thinking around this life's going to be easier than it is, or growing a business, especially if you're an entrepreneur is going to be easier than it actually is. And it's a roller coaster. There's just as many moments of like, yeah, I got this and I feel so great and successful and impacting people. And then the moments of like, shit, how am I going to pay the bills or, you know, what's next, or you lose a team member, or there's, there's all kinds of shit storms that happen and navigating them is not always easy. But I think that when, like when you said, when you've gone through the different scenarios and worked your way up and did all the hard things, I would have to think that you feel more prepared to handle the things that come to you at your business now at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you'll know that also know that the work that you've done in whatever other field will, will help you significantly. Like in my uh, career in human resources, I always worked in employee relations and I, I was known as the termination lady. Um, But dealing with stressful situations comes fairly easy to me I I can be that that calming force and so when you're teaching yoga emotions come up people are you know maybe going through um, a significant health crisis they've got family issues or whatever and so I feel like I can pull from those resources so nothing is wasted in terms of work Um, and I think if you do all the work you'll find out like your sons what you don't want to do you know and you know what are the things that you absolutely love doing and try to curate a life around that and I think more you know I I have so much hope for the youth and having a a teenage son myself like I really feel that they can um, not have to get mired down in you know so much corporate time um, and feel like they're working for the man you know that we felt they can and and I remember I had one job I absolutely hated but I was pregnant and I didn't want to move jobs because I uh, I got a job offer while I was pregnant and I said listen I'm pregnant you know full disclosure and they were like would you consider taking eight months off instead of a year and I said no I can't do that what if my child has special needs I don't know what it's going to look like right and so I had to stay in this job that I hated and every day when I walked through the door, I was like, you have me from nine until five for this much money and that's it. Mm. And so I, it was like, I just, you know, I kept my own um, sovereignty, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I just, I did the thing that needed to get done to get me to that other stage. And so um, I think that would be the, I mean, just from my, I can only speak from my perspective is um, that you, you know, you, do the things that don't feel that comfortable. And then you'll really find out who you are and what you want to do. And you'll find a way through to that. Mm. Um, it's when I, you know, something that came up on an interview I just did yesterday and something actually, this is a theme this week, clearly. Um, it's the idea that, you know, in, insights come from action 
right? And you get clarity a lot of the times in, and listeners, if you want to grab the, the downloadable guide that I have about clarity, it, this is one of the components of it to work through this yourself. But a lot of times we think that clarity comes from, you know, reflection and self, you know, questions and mentoring and retreats and, you know, this clarity on who we want and what we want to be in our life and the business, business that we want. But so many times too, it actually comes from doing the things because mm -hmm. you don't know until you do the things you think you need to do, whether that's a new workout or a new marketing tactic or expanding your clinical expertise, like you don't know until you do it. And that's where you get a lot of data. And so I always tell people like, just try, like you're going to get clarity from, from doing things, or as I said, you know, insight from action. So it sounds mm -hmm. like that's part of your experience too. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely uh, an action oriented person and I feel like through the doing I've, I've found my way. And, you know, I feel like, through the doing also, I, I became who I wanted to be. And I can look back at various stages of my life and be like, oh, wow, that person was kind of cringy. Uh, <laughs> and that, that's where I really feel that the transformational um, aspect of yoga comes into play. And it's not to say, you know, we do practice, for example, ahimsa or nonviolence, but it's not to say we just sit back and take it. It just means that we might have a different approach to um, you know, getting ourselves out of situations we no longer want to be in, or how we set our boundaries, or, um, you know, those kinds of things. Hmm. So if we were to now take this conversation into a little bit more of a practical application uh, standpoint for listeners, you know, let's say there's someone listening who is um, in their teacher training right now, or um, maybe owns a studio and isn't sure they want to keep owning in a studio, like, what advice would you have for running like figuring out your path about whether mm -hmm. you should you know let's say freelance and and be an instructor for other bigger studios or having your own place or just creating you know a series of six classes and teaching them out of your garage like do you have any practical strategies that you'd like to share with listeners about how to find their way in the yoga community mm -hmm. or in the yoga world yeah I mean I, I I really feel like the only constant is change and you know when I worked in HR I was the the change agent in a lot of ways. And so um, even now with my, you know, quote unquote, established yoga studio, the house potentially will be for sale. I'm teaching online and in person. Is this hybrid thing going to work? Do I want to give up my video library that I've created, curated these videos? I have a membership. Um, you know, I'm looking at co-sharing spaces, but, oh, I've got all my props. I don't want to, I really think it's important to just be open-minded about opportunities that come your way some will be not so good I mean I've done I've done a collaboration with someone that did not work out very well it was a year-long venture I learned a ton um, but I learned a lot of like what I wouldn't do going forward so I wouldn't be afraid to say yes but um, learn from mistakes I think we'll all make mistakes like sometimes my students will be like I don't know what to practice at home can I can do it wrong I'm like what in your life have you learned that you nailed right out of the gate, right? That you didn't actually do anything wrong. So don't be afraid of taking risks. I mean, you know, do it wisely and make sure yeah. that they're somewhat controlled. Um, and don't get stuck in this is the way, you know, this is the way it has to be all the time. I find myself thinking, oh my gosh, I have to have a yoga studio. Uh, you know, I have to have these things. And then I'm like, hold on a second. Let's rethink that, you know, what if I shared a space with someone or what if I, um, you know, just taught virtually or what if I did this or that 
So I really try to, to keep an open mind um, and not get stuck in any one way of doing things. Because one thing about the pandemic, it was really painful, but I am, uh, you know, such a, a much better teacher now because man, did you ever have to hone in on your verbal cues, right? Like yeah. there was no more hands-on adjustments and I can, my, my language skills have, you know, I would say improved and I, I have a hard time um, congratulating myself. So I'm struggling with this, but I really feel like I'm, I'm a much better teacher now. And so I say, if that's what I had to go through, it was worth it because then at the end, you know, I can serve more people. And one thing I would say to people in the health field is you are there to serve them, but you're not your ser their servant. And I think mm. that's a really strong distinction. And, you know, for people, you know, particularly in the yoga field, is to really find a mentor who um, inspires you, but also sees you as a unique individual person and will hold you up and support you. You know, at this stage of my yoga career, I'm interested more in the song than I am in the singer. The song is yoga. The singer is whoever may be presenting the practice to me. So I go back to the roots of yoga, the threads of yoga, the you know spirituality of yoga. Um, lesser do I go back to, you know, the, the teacher. Um, so I would say find yourself through the practice rather than rely on someone to bring you through. Um, and I think that could pertain to probably anywhere, anyone in this is health care um, field where also protect your energy, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're starting out, ha learn what, what drains you. You know, for example, for me, I get really energized by group classes. Privates drain me. So I'm very selective. If someone has a, th um, a therapeutical thing they're working through and, you know, I vet them and I want to work with them, I will do that. But otherwise, I do not do private yoga classes. Um, like just for someone who wants to do on their own, they don't want to be in a class. Uh, that, that I refer out. Um, so I would say really, you know, after you do your service with whatever it is, be reflective. What could I have done better? You know, what did I do well? Um, how would I address this? You know, and how do I feel personally, energetically? Am I, am I energized? Am I drained? And, and really just check in with yourself. I just do this little ritual after I teach every class, I wash my hands well with soap and water. And it's just, I, I take the energy of the class off of me, not that I've had a bad class or whatever. It's just that that class is finished. Let it go off into the ether. The lesson of that class has been taught and let's move forward and not hang on to, um, you know, whatever we might be hanging on to. Yeah. I'm so thankful that you brought that up. It's like you read my mind because when you said, you know, you're there to serve them, but they're not, you're not their servant. It's, it's such an interesting and so common conversation and feeling that so many health practitioners have, right? Because so many of us get into the work because of the heart, right? We want to help people. I love what I do as a carpenter because it helps people live a better life. But yes, 
I can take on. I've had times in my career where I felt drained physically. You know, there's a reason why the hours are structured the way they are, because I need recovery time physically, mentally, and emotionally. People leave a lot of emotion and energy in our practices, like I'm sure in your classes as well. And so having boundaries and having self-care rituals that protect who we are so that we're not a slave to our businesses is just as important as starting from the beginning, like we said, and adjusting your business life to suit the lifestyle that you want. It's an ongoing practice. And I know something that some people struggle with, you know, creating self-care rituals or making that their selves a priority and their own health, even though they're in healthcare. But thank you for bringing that up because um, if we don't take care of ourselves or the energy or let go of our attachment to the outcomes that some of our students or our clients or patients have, it will just drain you. And it's, it's not our, it's not our role to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I often say to my students, okay, you have that lesson. It's yours now. Take it yeah. and, you know, do with it what you will. And, uh, and I also am very open and honest with them. Um, you know, if they want yoga, it, I think you could apply it to anything. If, if you want the yoga to work, um, I would say, especially after the age of 40, you have to do something every day and yeah. um, try not just to be, you know, if you really want to practice yoga for more than just the physical aspects of it, um, you really need to unroll your mat at your home and really do the things. Even one pose, you don't have to do like this wild sequence, just 15 mm -hmm. minutes of one pose, you know, a little bit of a shift. I put my foot here. I put my foot there. Okay. I raise my arms. I take my arms down, arms behind my back, whatever the case may be, just to observe how the pose works energetically in your body so that you can connect with yourself um, on that level, rather than always just following. It's not Simon says, right? Like the teacher says something, you do it. The teacher says something, you do it. Ultimately, we have to learn um, that connection through our own body through our own language our own um, lived experience in this body mm -hmm. you have shared so many um nuggets of wisdom and such heart and honesty in our conversation today and i i loved i i love you and all that the good that you're doing in our community and your energy um, what's the best way for people to connect with you further if they're yoga, if they just want to, you know, learn more about teacher trainings or what you offer, what would you like them to do to reach out to you? I'm reachable through Instagram, Yoga Journey Collingwood. Um, and then I also have my website, uh, yogajourney.ca. And uh, I teach in person, online. I have a video library, all the things. So, and I'm I love emails, so I can't really take phone calls because I'm either teaching or practicing, but yeah. emails are great. And uh, I love helping people find their teacher. I may not be their teacher, but um, if I can be uh, you know, helpful on that journey for somebody, I'm happy to do it. Fantastic. And listeners, we'll be sure to include all those links in the show notes. You just have to scroll down and you can connect directly with Lori and, and watch her uh, what she's up to. So thank you again for your time. I know you have a busy day and I appreciate this conversation. Thank you, Melissa. Take care. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for the opportunity to share some ideas with you today. I truly hope you found something in today's show that resonated with you. But what I hope even more is that you take the content, you take something that you learned and use it to adjust your practice to make a shift in the lifestyle that you want to live. If you love the show, please send us some feedback, please write a review. And most importantly, it helps us if you share it with others. 
Have an awesome day, friends. We'll catch you on the next show.